Bush and Richie here with your Hometime Show podcast. Richie, I've got a 10-sided dice in front of me from my uh, board gaming world. It's been left on the desk that I do the, the show on. Do you can, let's see whether you, even though you're 40 or 50 miles away, can use your mind to control the dice. Do you want to roll the dice to see whether you can guess what number it's going to be? Yes, but can you right. give me just a few seconds to sit here and actually think about this? Picture in your mind and stuff. Okay, I am. Do you know what? Yeah, there's two numbers dice. that are jumping out at me. And I've got to decide. Okay. No, there's one now. I've got it. Okay, it's going to be number six. Number six. Let's roll the dice to see whether he gets it right. Oh, it's number five. So close. You're kidding. That was the other number. I promise you that yes. was the other number. Five or six, is it? He's a psychic. I tell you what, at the end of the podcast, roll it again to see if it was six and I was like one roll out. One more go after this. Absolute Radio. They asked for a podcast. We told them to do it themselves. And here it is, the Hometime Podcast with Bush and Richie. Here's the story, right? Uh, whilst we're all staying at home, maybe you're doing a little bit of uh, tidying up, chucking things out. Just be careful what you chuck out. Stories come out today about a bloke called James in Newport who's thrown away a laptop hard drive that he believes contains Bitcoin now worth £210 million. And he wants his council to let him search for it in landfill. That is unbelievable, that. I've got such a weird relationship with Bitcoin because uh, if you remember, I, on, when I was doing the afternoon show on my own, uh, I did a competition specifically around Bitcoin and then it completely crashed. Remember, the entire Bitcoin market crashed. The people were unfairly linking it to being on my show. Uh, but it, it seems that Bitcoin's gone through the roof now and this stuff's like gold dust. Yeah, so I'm looking at the uh, graph of Bitcoin over the last five years. I think I can see where you did your competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But... Mate, it's recovered, and uh, right now it's it's really, really high. The thing is, this bloke mistakenly threw away the laptop in 2013 when oh. he had 7,500 bitcoins. Um, it's now worth £210 million. Um, oh, my word. It begs the question, have you ever chucked anything away by mistake or had it thrown away? By mistake. Now, I'm not saying in a million years that my collection of Arsenal programmes is worth £210 million. But when my dad was clearing up our old family home, he chucked out all my Arsenal programmes from all the, the games I'd ever been to. This is like from the age of 10 upwards. We must be talking about at least a good sort of like 200 odd programmes, 300 odd programmes, maybe. They would have been worth a lot of money, not two hundred and ten million pounds, but they're all gone. Don't know where they are. This, I tell you, the most dangerous period is when uh, kids have kind of grown up a bit and gone to university, and the parents are doing that thing where they might move or downsize or have a bit of a clear out and move the rooms around the house a little bit. And, and there's things that happens to mum and dads where they just go up in the loft and they just become brutal and just chuck stuff out without checking it properly. So that, I think that's the the kind of sweet spot where the stories this evening might come from. If like your parents have decided to have a clear out and accidentally chucked away something that you, you hold dear. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the one I want to put in is my friend Stu. This is a great story that happened to him when he was at university. Uh, when he was at uni with me in Swansea, his mum was having a clear out, like I mentioned earlier on, and she chucked out his entire 2000 AD comic collection, which had like really oh. rare early copies like of the first few 2000 AD, which will be worth absolutely loads now. She chucked the whole lot out and sent them down to a charity shop. I'm certain they're worth more than my old Arsenal programmes. 
Just slightly. Richard says, I scrapped a car and forgot to take out the mini Hulk Hogan figure that was blue tacked to the dashboard. It was 11 years ago. I'm still gutted. I like that because he hasn't put any monetary value on it. It's just of sentimental value, that. God yeah. bless him and his little Hulk Hogan. Uh, Dan in Lincolnshire says, Bush and Ritchie, we moved to a new house. My parents donated loads of my old toys to a local charity shop, including a He-Man Masters of Eternia playset and the first edition Optimus Prime Transformer, both still in their original boxes and now worth over £1,000 each. Gutted Oof. would be an understatement. Oof. Uh, this sounds like a nasty one as well. Glenn's on the line. Tell us what your lad had chucked out then, Glenn. He started collecting Pokemon cards again. Yeah, and he's, he's gone to look for them. And his mum said, she said, uh, I've thrown them all, I've thrown them all away years ago. And he's, he's gutted. He reckons one of them was worth at least £3,000 now. But have you seen the prices Pokemon cards go for now? Some of them are like hundreds of thousands of pounds. It's so weird, actually, because my wow. eldest daughter, who's now 11, uh, she, we've got a load of Pokemon cards that she bought uh, when she, about two or three years ago, they're in her bedroom, and we're, we're planning on doing a bit of a clear out of some of her toys. And the uh, the the Pokemon cards are one of the ones that we were looking at maybe moving on a little bit. You suggest them with this this, this stay out, keep hold of them. Is that what you're keep saying? Keep them serious. Well, I, I think it's the, the first the first lot are the ones that go to the the, the first prints. So back in like late nineties, early noughties, it must be early noughties, isn't it? Well, no, maybe it was late nineties. I don't know, but he's um, those ones are the ones that go for a lot of money. So your lad, um, how's he reconciled this with his mum? Well, he, he hasn't. <laughs> he's weird. But there's not a lot he can do, really, is it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> do you know the weird thing is though? Weird thing is. He started collecting them again because he's seen how much money he's lost. He's starting to buy up old cards now. So he's spending hundreds of pounds on, on re, refurbishing his, his collection. <laughs> if you've had stuff chucked out that shouldn't have been, do get in touch and let us know this afternoon. Louise says, my large collection of NME newspapers from the 90s. Dad threw them all out. It's another dad chuck. Love this one. Dave Norwood tweets us to say, I worked on the docks and had uh, an industrial accident and had to take a year off work. I went back to work and they chucked out my locker. Inside the locker was my great uncle's Arctic trooper hat that he'd worn on the North Atlantic convoys during the Second oh. World War, which is really bizarre because my uh, granddad from Liverpool, he was on the North Atlantic convoys as well, and the hat looks mint. What a shame that that's been chucked out. It's scandalous. Wow. I mentioned earlier about all my Arsenal programmes that got chucked by my dad. Uh, Simon's got in touch, says, I have programmes from over the last 22 years I can sell back to you. You home time audience, you're always giving. Tracy, what was it for you? Well, we were moving out of our home to, because it was being done up. Um, so we had to move out for a while. So we're putting everything in storage. And outside we'd got um, boxes to put in what were going in storage and a skip to put rubbish in. And by mistake, my wedding dress got thrown in the skip. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and uh, is there anyone that you can blame for this and, and dislike them as a result of it? No, unfortunately not. It was all my fault. It was got to a stage where we were rushing and I just said, oh, it's just been in that bag in the cupboard for so long, just throw it away. And then oh. we, it wasn't until we moved back in and I was getting everything out that I realised what I'd done. So it was too late by then. <laughs> Tracy, I mean, there's two sides to this. I appreciate it must be heartbreaking for you uh, that yeah. you have chucked your wedding dress, but let's look for a positive here. We're both delighted for your husband that it was not him. Yes. <laughs> no, he's, st he's still here. <laughs> We've been married 34 That's years now, so I don't think he's going anywhere. 
Can I ask you a question? Why do people yeah. keep their wedding dresses? I've always wondered that. What, what, why do it's people keep just them? A, it's sentimental, really. And um, my daughter-in-law um, was getting married. And when my daughter does get married, she could maybe use the you know, bits of it or something. It, won't, it wouldn't be fashionable now because it was in the 80s we got, ma- we got married like. But um, maybe they could use something off it. And it's just like being passed down then, sentimental reasons. But it's too late now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Tracy, what an amazing I was story. I at the time, but, but I've got over it now. <laughs> it's fair to say the Hometime Show is the radio show that brought the pundit shoe epidemic to worldwide attention. Richie uh, was the whistleblower that drew everyone's attention to. He noticed it on the telly. Uh, it's a silent epidemic, the pundit shoe epidemic, spreading like wildfire. And if you're not aware of it, uh, now that we're talking about it here, you will be aware of it. Basically, the pundit shoe epidemic is sports presenters on telly being, it seems, issued or made to wear black trainers with white soles. And it's fair to say they look pretty good. They're all wearing them at the moment. Even the guests they've got on to talk about, whether it's football or cricket or rugby or whatever, they do look quite good. And Richie, am I right in saying that you actually own a pair of what would be described as pundit shoes? I did, when I spotted this, Bush, I did, obviously, because I am one of society's sheeps, I went and bought a pair myself. Very much the lower end of uh, of the pundit shoe market. But yes, I did enter it, even though I'm not a pundit. But the thing is, we had a little look online when we were talking about them on the show just before Christmas. And the prices that they're paying, these sports pundits are paying to, to get hold of these black shoes with white stars. They're in the three to four hundred pound uh, bracket, which I don't know, I've never owned a pair of shoes with anything in any of that price range. Correct. So once again, I will just reinforce, I very much <laughs> entered at the, the bargain basement end. <laughs> the entry level pundit shoe. But you know what, right? Since we're in lockdown three at the moment and people are having to get by or saving money or using their imaginations a little bit more, because you do have a bit more time on your hands. In front of me right now, I've bought a pair of incredibly cheap black trainers, really dirty cheap. These trainers would not be allowed uh, into the gymnasium of any self-respecting uh, sports <laughs> centre around the United Kingdom because they would scuff up something rotten. So I bought a pair of dirty uh, uh, trainers to use and what I've got is some matte white paint that we've got left over from decorating the bathroom a few months ago. And I'm thinking, you channel that Dunkirk spirit, that homebrew thing that people have been doing. All I need to do, right, is just paint the soles of the shoes round the side, like you'd paint the bottom of a boat if you were trying to protect it against barnacles, or below the plimsoll line. Uh, and then I've got myself pundit shoes. I don't have to spend the big bucks, surely. This is fantastic, like like an episode of Blue Peter. It is in many ways. This is my Tracy Island in many ways. So if you follow us on Twitter at Absolute Radio, have a little look. I've taken a photo of, of the stuff I've got. I'm going to be doing this overnight tonight and tomorrow morning so you can see how you get on. But I just want to open this out a little bit. If you've made your own version of something that you might have seen on telly or something famous because you know, we're trapped in the house at the moment, you can't get to it or have it or whatever, or might just because of cost, get in touch with the show tonight. Have I told you before, Bush, about how my son Charlie uh, tried to fool his mates that he owned AirPods? Uh, by getting a pair of old, you know, the old sort of like uh, uh, earphones that had the white lead coming from them. He cut the white lead from the old earphones uh, 
Uh, and then he had, in his opinion, what looked like AirPods. Of course, they didn't play anything and would never be able to play anything, but they might have, might have fooled a few people. That's my favourite homebrew so far. And you know what? It harks back to a time, a simpler time, when earphones all just had one normal connector and you knew where you stood. An amazing tweet from Keith says, I got proper knocked off with supermarket bacon. I mean... Quite how bacon from a supermarket annoys you, I don't know. Uh, he he goes on. So I've learnt how to make my own, and he's tweeted a picture of his homemade bacon. I mean, he's bought an amazing bit oh. of pig and made bacon. It's an incredible effort. Well, just as the song was ending there, uh, Richie just said to me, completely out of context, he says, "I love pigs." <laughs> I do. Looking at that guy's fishing. Everything that comes from a piggy loves. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got Nick on the line. Nick, tell everyone about your homebrew creation. Yeah, look, one of these times when the budget was tight and the cupboard was bare, and for reasons unknown back in the day, we used to go to a lot of gigs and all start the night with a shot of um, that quite delicious drink, Aftershock. Um, oh, anyway, yeah. ran out one day um, and had to improvise whatever we could find in the cupboard which turned out to be one of those kind of low-rent vodka brands you normally find in a soap opera pub, a commissar or Cossack vodka, washed down with the only other thing available, which was blue Listerine. <laughs> oh, my words. That's, this sounds like something from George's Marvellous Medicine or something like that, a Roald Dahl book. It really is like that. Uh, it wasn't far off, but I tell you what, it, it looked a similar colour. It smelled awful. It took the back of my throat off. But I'll tell you one thing, um, Nick Cave, who we saw after drinking that, was absolutely fantastic. Uh, (laughs) That will be down to Nick Cave, not due to your pre-gig ritual. Are you telling me Cossack vodka and Listerine is in no way anything to do with Nick Cave ripping the roof of the Princeton Academy? No, it was... um, yeah, it, it, he's quite the man, but I tell you what, it's quite the drink as well. And it has stuck ever since. It's, it, it's become a new gig ritual after shock and cheap vodka. Brilliant, Nick. Good to speak to you, man. Thanks so much. It's a shame that you haven't got gloss, by the way. I would have thought with these kind of <laughs> shoes that white gloss plate might have been better than Matt. But, oh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We'll see how we get on. We see, I'm disappointed by that as well, but I've only got what is in front of me, Richie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, Paul has tweeted saying, I've made my own sushi. Um, you've got oh. to love cold fish food if you're going to make it yourself, because I would imagine that's quite time sensitive as well. And the photo looks great. Have a little look at that on at Absolute Radio on Twitter. Claire says, guys, I made my own Monopoly type game. I was living in Cambodia for a while, so the streets and chance cards reflect everyday life there in Cambodia. My son and I still play it. My husband gets hit with a tax and electric bill, and I tend to languish in jail a fair old bit. Have a look at the photo. It is fantastic. What a thing to have created yourself in your own imagination. Cambopoly. Oh, yes. Thank you to everyone who was joining us yesterday evening for our hometown watch-along. Uh, we all communally decided on Monsters, Inc. to watch. Every Wednesday night in uh, January, we're top of seeing off the gloom by choosing to watch a movie all at the same time at 8pm. It was brilliant last night. People were using the hashtag hometown watch-along and sharing their thoughts on what they thought of the film. I think the overwhelming thing is, I can't believe how good that movie still looks. Bearing in mind, it was it came out in 2001 and it still looks amazing. What, what, it 
just looked great, didn't it? It did. Yeah, Monsters, Inc. last night. Um, I knew that I loved it when it was originally out, but haven't watched it for years and years. My older two, like, you know, late teens now, so I had no reason to watch it. Both me and my wife, uh, much like yourselves, we're watching and thinking, this film was so good, to the extent, actually, that Natalie um, fired up Disney Plus again uh, earlier this afternoon and sat and watched Monsters, Inc. for a second time in 24 hours, but with our toddler rocker it was giggling all the way through it it's such a good movie but it was it was brilliant to be able to watch it uh, with you guys and, and just feel this sense of community doing it definite good uh, good feeling like a feel good thing just being able to watch the film together which was great uh, a lot of people watching it for maybe the second time and, and in a bit of distance at it maybe they watched it you know like I say it's a 20 year old movie people watching it with a different with different eyes there's more of more insightful picking out stuff in the background uh, listen to the whatsapp note a uh, voice note that our producer Nick sent whilst the film was going on. This is something I had no idea was actually a thing in Monsters, Inc. And you might not know it either. Have a listen to this. Guys, I don't know if you spotted the Easter eggs there in the film, but there's um, there's a couple of references to Toy Story back in Boo's room. And there's also um, a little Nemo from Finding Nemo. Actually, before Finding Nemo was even a film, because Finding Nemo came out after Monsters, Inc. How crazy is that? It is this attention to detail, which is why we have this man on our staff. Isn't it amazing how Nick was whispering like he's in a cinema, even though it was just him on his own in the lounge? And I really appreciate that from him. He's channeling full Odeon there whilst he's watching it. Good on him. And the big guest that we promised you, uh, Mark Jenkins from TV's The Hotel. We spoke about him on yesterday's show. The siren's gone up and he is here. This is going to be a joy. Mark, hello. Hello, how are you? We're very good, man. It's an honour to have you on the show. Uh, how are you bearing up? How's things in Torquay? Um, I'm not in Torquay. I'm, I'm actually in London. I actually live in, uh, on a farm. Wow, oh, we wow. associate you with the Riviera. So uh, oh, you're more metropolitan than we think, Mark. <laughs> No, it's, it's more mud and wellies at the moment than palm trees, unfortunately. So the thing that we've all been going through at the moment then, Mark, uh, is, you know, people trapped in their houses and climbing the walls a little bit. If anyone watched the hotel, they'd have seen you as the uh, effervescent uh, hotel owner, just trying your best to rally the troops and keep people entertained. Are those skills still in use in terms of you quite good at keeping yourself happy and entertained during these uh, these downtime that we've got at the moment? Um, well, I, I have good and bad days like everybody else. I mean, but like a lot of people, my whole year has been sort of put on hold. Funny enough, last March, I was about to go back into the hotel business and I just negotiated to buy this sort of hotel and pub. And just as I was about to go in and sign for it in March, it got closed down. Wow. Normally, hotels close down after I buy them, not before. <laughs> <laughs> so in some respect, a lucky break for you there, Mark. During all the, the first lockdown last year, I, I remember um, the house party app suddenly became a big thing. Everyone got into uh, Zoom quizzes and all this kind of stuff. People may be a little bit tired of that right now. As someone who is the king of organising entertainment, do you have any little hacks for people as to how we can entertain each other in our homes come an evening? Well, you could always re-watch episodes of The Hotel. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> no, I'll be honest, I, I was guilty, I must admit, back in March, I was guilty. Well, I had my 60th birthday, and of course I was locked down all, all alone, so I sort of 
film myself and put it on my social media, me singing happy birthday to myself with my cake. Um, and then I actually did one of my, because after I left the hotel business, I toured around the country doing sort of um, special live uh, party night shows um, all, oh, all around wow. everywhere. So I actually did one live online and had people phoning in and had them on the screen and, and, and it was amazing. Oh, so, I mean, you know, you're just saying then that you, you're out of the hotel game, you, you're thinking about getting back into it. I mean, I, I grew up in Devon in Brixham, so down the road from where your okay. hotel was. Uh, and having worked in loads of hotels and restaurants seasonally down in Devon when I was a kid, it's one of the hardest, being a hotelier is one of the hardest things in the world. It's absolutely knackering. Are you sure you want to get back into all of that, Mark? Well, I'm, I'm getting bored. I must admit, I mean, I've, I've had a good break um, and, and I'm getting bored now. I, I need to do something to occupy my days. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Once once this passes and you get back into the hotel game and the first thing that's going to recover are UK holidays because I can't see us all going abroad anytime soon. Uh, when you get back in that game, if you are looking for two knowledgeable music personalities uh, to do a, a a night in your hotel around sort of 80s and 90s music do get in touch i certainly will do did i read somewhere that you once worked as a waiter doing silver service I'm a silver service train waiter, Mark, at the Berryhead Hotel. I don't know if you know that in Brixham in Devon. Oh, yes. I, you, do you know, I used to go there for Sunday lunch sometimes. Am I served you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm talking years and years ago. Maybe you were the waiter. I, I could be. I, I ex- did I tip you? Probably not. Probably not. Mark, we're big fans of your work, and we mean that genuinely. Um, I'm excited to hear about your social media plans and uh, the fact that you've been hosting these uh, things online. Uh, tell people where they can find you online, so because that's where I'm heading straight after this. I don't know what my handle things are. J- just put in Mark Jenkins' Twitter or Mark Jenkins' Facebook, and I come up somewhere. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not, listen, Fantastic. it's all still new to me, all this online stuff. I'm still sort of finding my way through it all. Well, listen, Mark, it's lovely to speak to you. Even just a little chat like this, I- I'm feeling happy. I don't know about Richie. It shows Big that time. you are uh, the, the kind of person that we need to get us through these dark times. So check out Mark. It's uh, underscore Mark Jenkins on Twitter. And Mark, thanks for chatting to Home Time tonight. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, we're back after right. the podcast. Uh, Richie was very, very close. Uh, th- this reminds me of, you know, the bit at the beginning of Ghostbusters where they're trying to, uh, Venkman and that mm. are testing whether someone's got psychic powers. We're doing this to Richie now. I've got a ten-sided what? dice and seeing whether he can guess what the number's going to be. Genuinely, at the beginning of the podcast, I, I did sit there for a good sort of, you know, few seconds. I, I did try to channel it and it was between five and six and I settled on six. Um, which is weird because, like, normally, if I had um, the volume on a telly or on the car stereo, I'd only ever have it, like, in multiples of fives and zeros. So oh. it's strange. But, look, let's let's go for it. Let's see if it's six this time. He's going to go for another six again, yeah? Here we go. Mm. No, it's a one. It's getting further away. Sorry, mate, the, the powers are waning. <laughs> You've reached the end of the Home Time Podcast. Yeah, Bush and Rishi have finished the show. It's time to talk to a real-life person. We'll wait for the next podcast this time tomorrow.